the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Daryl Webster. Welcome back to the show, Daryl. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Paul. It's been a few years since I've come back here. Yeah. Uh, look, it's uh, it's great to have you on the show. Maybe you can remind uh, listeners where you fit into this uh, great world of, of tech and uh, media. Yeah, yeah. I um, I work in an adoption and change management space, working with a lot of uh, Microsoft 365 technologies, helping uh, businesses unlock the value of Office 365. Cool. That's good. Well, let's uh, let's jump in. There's, there's always lots to uh, to talk about on the technology uh, front. And look, the um, a headline uh, cropped up uh, talking about uh, President Trump taking aim at Apple in this sort of uh, you know I guess you know what's going on there with with uh, tariffs and the the perspective that look. Um, Apple now sort of saying, hey, we may have to raise our prices uh, because of these in- increased tariffs. And, of course, the retort that you would expect from Donald Trump is, well, you can avoid the tariffs by doing your manufacturing in the U.S., which is sort of you know what he's trying to, uh, mm. trying to encourage. Now, I've seen a, a little bit of you know, discussion down that track and uh, you know, the suggestions um, – were that if Apple were to move manufacturing uh, to the US, then that would probably increase uh, production costs, sort of you know twenty percent or or so. Uh, and of course, you you read that as a twenty percent sort of you know flow on in terms of you know price to uh, uh, to customers, which, which is um, yeah I think fairly fairly natural that that you know that would be the uh, expectation. I guess you know shareholders want to make the. Uh, the same return, mm-hmm. um, but we have seen Apple and 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 others do some uh, bits of uh, you know bits of manufacturing uh, in the US, and that's uh, you know that seems to have, have worked out okay. I guess as we see robotics take a, a more important sort of pl- part in the in the you know production uh, process of you know iPhones and, and computers and so on, which which is you know, I guess an ongoing journey. Um, that other than the supply of the goods and you know the, the parts that go into the devices, which still uh, you have to get to the manufacturing facilities, um, you know, I would I would tend to um, yeah tend to wonder if you know how how much difference those prices might might be. It's kind of going to be an interesting mm. one to watch, isn't it? In terms of uh, you know how things change as as we move to much more robotic uh, production lines. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of it from the robotics angle. I mean, we know that at the moment it's it's cheaper to produce things in in China and um, definitely churn those things out, and they've got really good workflows. But I can see how maybe robotics would reduce that price, and then maybe it doesn't matter where you make it as long as you're, you've uh, tooled your factory to uh, to cope with that automatic load. Um, and and then what does that do from a perspective of you know Trump wants the manufacturing to happen? in the US to create US jobs uh, but of course the more automation you do then yeah the, 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 then yeah the, <laughs> the, the less uh, impact that has on uh, on the job front right so um, um, yeah I guess that's the that's the perspective isn't yeah, it yeah yeah um, so I, I would be worried about the the increase in price of those uh, 3.5 to lightning adapters going, <laughs> going too high you know go through a lot of them so I'd be concerned about that Charging cables, bits and pieces. Well, yep. I imagine. Oh, look, you know, if, if we saw the high value items being being manufactured, or uh, a portion of them being manufactured, for instance, in the US, there would still be lots and lots of you know, parts that obviously weren't, you know, chips and other things that are manufactured in other parts of of the world. But I mean, look, this is this is the reality, and you know, New Zealand has a level of this reality as well as. The the wages, which you know, I know, I know um, yeah, there's always a, a, a demand to you know, increase wages and and salaries uh, here, um, but yeah, in the US it's it's a similar sort of state to New Zealand, where the manufacturing has gone offshore mm. because of those uh, you know those wages being so you know incredibly low, in a bunch of other markets, yeah, you know, China is one of those, and they're. Um, you know their salaries sort of you know keep uh, keep rising, 
Um, so, you know, they, they won't be, you know, probably uh, at the same point for too long because they, they do seem to keep moving. And there probably will be a point in time where China's not the, not the place that you do the manufacturing because uh, because it's too expensive. Be, that's you know, it's, it's kind of hard to predict exactly mm. uh, what these moves will be. Yeah, you know, you've got India where they're sort of demanding that smartphones get uh, get manufactured locally uh, to help their local economy. But of course, you've got uh, um, yeah much much lower wages there than the US as as well. So. Um, yeah, we're we're in a very interesting time, I guess. You know, politically, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where where you've kind of got that, that that push in sort of you know two directions. One is to sort of you know flatten things globally and, and get rid of tariffs, and and then uh, you know we, we we see what's happening in the US where uh, uh, there's a there's there's still some interest in those sort of free trade agreements, um, but at the moment it, it seems to be uh, uh, barriers going up with uh, with increased tariffs. So. Mm. Um, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see where things are, yeah, I where, think where, where, where things land, and and I guess it comes, you know, a lot of it comes down to what's happening politically, doesn't it? Yeah, one thing that that uh, stood out in that article too was was the extent that Tim Cook went to uh, to lobby uh, the the situation. Um, so dining and you know going going to dinner and actually engaging him directly, uh, mm. Trump on this on this issue, um, whereas. Some of the other uh, manufacturers, not so much. They've sort of stepped back and said, "Well, we're going to we're going to take pot shots from the side as well." Mm, so, mm. It, actively trying to to argue his case, and mm. um, yeah, we'll be interesting to see which direction it goes. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, very um, very curious. I yeah, I, I really don't. Um, you know, don't don't have a um, you know a clear clear view on what the future of manufacturing is is going to uh, going to look like. And of course, it do, you know it does vary a lot. You know, when I was in uh, China with uh, Huawei last mm-hmm. year, uh, you know they they showed us off, and I've talked to others that have, that have been through and seen the same sort of uh, production line. But they showed a, a production line that was something around ninety percent robotic, and so you know there was. I think that you know they talked about the normal sort of smartphone production line, iPhone, etc., mm. uh, being over yeah over a hundred people uh, from you know from start to finish. Really, that many? Um, with all of the all of the steps and things involved, whether it's you know putting a little chip into a particular place on a board, or whether it's uh, um, you know boxing it up and and so on. And um, yeah, this particular process, I think. Ooh, my my memory's a little bit vague now. I think it was under certainly under twenty, and uh, but they were using that as something of a demonstration because um, a lot of Huawei's manufacturing is is outsourced, and in those cases, in the you know production lines are um, you know tend to have more people on them. Mm. Uh, so it was a little bit of a demo of of you know of what's possible, um, but. Apparently, actually, it was more expensive to make them with with that many robots than with uh, uh, than with humans. Whereas, I imagine if you took that to the US, uh, you know, you you might be spending you know even more on uh, on on robots to um, mm-hmm. yeah to make to make that uh, to make that doable. So, you know, if if um, you know, someone's calculating it out from oh, okay, well, there's you know 120 people on a on a production line for a smartphone, well. By the time that gets to the US, it might be twelve, right, or it might be six. So, um, the the results might not be quite as quite as good as what they're hoping for if if, if it does happen. So uh, we know the motivation is to make America great again, though, isn't it? That's that's what it's all about. <laughs> Uh, good or great times uh, ahead. All right, uh, now flying taxis, rental e-bikes. Um, interesting story in the uh, in the Herald over the last uh, last few days. And uh, look, you know, we 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 see uh, you know lots of articles that sort of you know talk about technology and uh, and and the future and. 
uh, you know, guess you know there was there was a there was a trigger here for this one uh, in terms of uh, Uber looking at uh, uh, looking at you know flying taxis in the, in the Australian market. Uh, you know, I guess this is along the lines of uh, similar things we've seen from uh, uh, from from Uber and, and others in terms of um, you know autonomous uh, vertical takeoff and landing based. Um, Electric uh, air taxis. So, mm. um, yeah, kind of, kind of curious. Um, you know, what's what's your thoughts on on this? That the idea of uh, you know Uber Air and you know just yeah. uh, everything moving into uh, uh, into into electric. Greg, who's behind the desk, uh, came to work on his uh, uh, his electric uh, scooter. Uh, today that he was uh, um, tr- trying out a new Segway. Right. Um, so, you know, they, they, these these technologies are uh, certainly you know becoming you know more and more accessible, and mm. uh, um, you know the the electric vehicles of of course, um, autonomous um, offerings are, are improving. And you think uh, air taxis is uh, is going to be viable sometime soon? Uh, look, there's there's a lot to consider, I think, in, in terms of the um, electric technologies and how quick to charge and what's the range and, you know, all these sorts of things have been talked about. I think that um, uh, in New Zealand, and particularly when they're talking about thinking of testing it in Auckland, it's about thinking what the hot points are, um, where they, if you can call them heliports, I don't know what you'd call them with, with a Uber port, but... Um, could be a natural replacement for the the link from the the North Shore up up near Albany and down into the CBD and mm. you know do we have one that goes from over here to to the Coromandel and and so anything to sort of cut that distance um, I see that they're initially talking about it being um, piloted flight as well that it's mm. not necessarily mm. about autonomous flying so that tends to give you a bit more confidence in the technology. Um, but I'm hearing that there's the motivation is that it's not just about flight, but also we want to be a, a hub for any kind of transport. So that story talked about a scenario, and it said, I need to go here. And so it presented you a few options. It said, if you jump on a scooter, get to here, then catch the air taxi, uh, or jump in this car where it's waiting for four people, and here's some options. So mm-hmm. um, those flying options are going to be expensive initially, I think. But um, as technology catches up, battery charging power and all that sort of electrical technologies uh, catch up too, then or get better, um, it becomes a viable option, I think. Yeah, um, and yeah, you know, we, we most things sort of happen in, mostly in sort of quite small increments, and it's not it's not too scary and hmm. and uh, you know reasonably easy to get. Uh, to get get used to, um, which is happening, uh, you know, I guess with the the e cycles, electric bikes and scooters and um, segways and you know things like that, and the varying forms have been around for a number of years. Um, yeah, you, you yeah you mentioned there sort of jumping in into an Uber type vehicle. I did a little bit more uh, testing of some of um, Uber's ride sharing in the in the US on on recent trip. And um, you know they they seem to have quite broadly in the US uh, rolled out there, and I forget the name of um, uh, the name of the, the offering, um, but it, it's basically it, it's ride sharing, and, and you are actually sharing the vehicle with uh, oh yeah, uh, you know with, with up to you know I think probably up to um, two two other uh, people. And um, yeah, it's really interesting, I guess, to to encourage that model and to uh, you know get people on board with it. The prices are absolutely nuts; they're so cheap. Mm. Yeah, it's cheaper than what I imagine a bus probably would cost in a, in a lot of cases. So um, you know, I, I used uh, you know use that particular um, option uh, between. Uber conference Pool. Com, Uber Pool, that's it, yeah. And we have talked about it before, but it, yeah, used it between uh, uh, the hotel and where I was staying, Airbnb wise. It, it wasn't, you know, far, but, you know, five, five or five or five or ten minutes. Mm. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, I think some of the journeys were two dollars fifty US yeah. uh, for the for this journey. And yeah, sure, it might have taken a another, um, you know, five minutes or, or so than. Than just going on your own, it's really it was just really interesting. Thing. Well, mm. if you're not in that much of a hurry, um, you know, the, the, it's quite a feasible option. 
and yeah, but kind of interesting if that's then competing with, say, public transport in terms of pricing. Really nice from the convenience perspective if they can make the, the, the dollars and cents add up long term, and maybe they were doing it as a loss leader. Um, and actually, I think I was using Lyft rather than Uber Pool, and I can't remember whether Lyft calls their one Lyft Pool or, or something else. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, when you come into that price point, you're potentially causing more congestion on the road, right? Rather than taking your bus for two dollars, paying an extra fifty cents, and mm-hmm. you know, and 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 catch an Uber pool or or a, or a Lyft sort of pulled ride, and mm-hmm. yeah, suddenly that's actually adding uh, adding to what's on the on the road. So um, yeah, kind kind of nice that uh, the other vehicles and uh, you know e cycles and so on are being thrown into the mix, and uh, th- that was um, Philadelphia where I was testing that. Uh, and and actually, right outside the hotel uh, where the conference was at, was a big um, you know block where uh, e-cycles were were sitting uh, that were available to rent for. And I can't remember the numbers on on that, uh, but you could basically you know go in and and rent those in the same way. In New Zealand, we have varying you know bike rental um, options. And uh, you see them scattered. Certainly, see them scattered about Auckland and up in trees and, and and things like that. So you know you've got to uh, you've got to be able to charge people if they don't return their bike yep. to the right location. Um, there's a bit more of encouragement, I guess, with a, with a with a with an e-cycle in some ways, uh, and that the rates are you know going to be higher than a than a um, self-powered bike. Um, but of course, it's an e-cycle. You're able to probably go a bit. Uh, uh, be a bit more relaxed about going further and uh, you know up hills and and so mm. on as well, um, and that that seems to me uh, like the sort of thing that will uh, that will catch on as part of the mix too. Is that the th- as we're talking this through, um, being powered, of course, there's there's another uh, element to unlocking and using it. Mm. So where mm. it is self-powered, it's just simply unlocking the wheel and, and away you go. And I guess some people have found ways around that, <laughs> just judging the by the number of uh, uh, bikes littering the place. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. with a, a powered scooter, of course, um, not only unlocking it, but you're also switching it on and saying, yes, I'm going to provide power to that electric motor. Yep. So um, further security, you might say. So mm. less, mm. less of a ease to steal and to use. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd like the option. Uh, I guess I'd ask Greg. You know, would he would he be happy leaving his um, his scooter somewhere for someone to to use and leave? It's probably not the model, but yeah, may, may, maybe not. Uh, yeah, not there just yet on that uh, on that that front. Um, now, some, something else that um, just caught my interest because you know we we often have opinions on how good or bad or whatever, you know, different things are that we have have in New Zealand, right? We like to compare things, and if you come from another country and something's better, then you'll moan about it wherever you are or <laughs> vice versa. And we, we often like to, uh, you know, like to compare our, uh, our nice, fast New Zealand broadband to what they have in Australia. Um, but um, one, of the, one of the guys uh, in, in the U- UK, uh, media guy over there, was... Uh, uh, who I'm connected with was um, sharing about the new plan that he just uh, signed up with on uh, on three, which is you know one of the the mobile uh, networks in the UK. And um, I don't know, I was sort of you know if if I was um, if I got really excited about mobile plans, you could say I would have been drooling after seeing uh, you know how how good these uh, these plans were. So um, one of the plans, let's have a look. So. Uh, they're all all you can eat uh, data plan, which actually seems to be that it doesn't. You know, I couldn't see anything in there about the the speed actually slowing down once you hit the cap. Uh, was twenty seven quid, right? It's about dollars. Mm. Um, that included the hotspot. Um, uh, hotspot capability as well, and you know here in New Zealand with you know, most of our plans, if we've got a big plan or we've got an unlimited plan anyway, uh, then you generally can't hotspot, or yeah. you're paying extra money to hotspot, um, and your unlimited slows down when you hit uh, when you hit about 22 gigs, right? Well, this gives you unlimited data, appears to be full speed. Um, can't say I've tried it, so I can't be can't be uh, can't be sure. There's 30 gigs worth of hotspotting data uh, as well. So that's what you get for about 54 New Zealand dollars. Um, 
if you don't need quite so much data on your mobile, maybe you know maybe you could cope with a hundred uh, gigs on your mobile. Oh, just just just, cope. just 100 gigs. Just a hundred gigs. That would be twenty pounds, around 40, uh, 40 New Zealand dollars. That also includes uh, you can use I think it's up to thirty gigs of your data out of that hundred pool uh, for hotspotting as well. Um, and then there are sort of more budget options going down from there, uh, a 30, 30 gig uh, data, um, and you can use all of it if you wish for hotspotting. Uh, that's about $34. And for $22, you can get a, um, uh, a 4 gig sort of data bundle. Oh, and by the way, all of these plans are all you can eat minutes and texts. Mm. Um, that 4 gig one, yeah, you can use that data for hotspotting if you wish. Now, the other bit that sort of jumped out to me was a little line with a um, um, uh, a technex to it on all of these plans except for the 4-gig plan, which was called Go Binge. And when I clicked through on that, it said that they basically have deals with Netflix and a bunch of others for unlimited data. Uh. So you, could, you can be on this 30-gig plan and on top of your 30 gig, you can watch as much uh, Netflix as you like as well yeah. uh, if you're with, with Netflix. So I thought, oh, okay, that, that's kind of nice. Um, and then even all the way down to the 11 pound or, or about $22 uh, plan was another option uh, or another thing with a, with a tick, uh, which was called Go Roam Around the World. Um, did you, uh, I sent you through a little bit on this. Did you happen to, uh, happen to see what that one offered? Um, 71 countries around the world that you could roam to, no extra cost. That's um, huge. So, yeah, and, you know, of course, in the UK, you know, currently sitting within the EU, you, the, you know, there, there are the, the, the rules in place around being able to roam around the UK and, and Europe anyway, that it, you know, effectively is, is treated as, mm. as one country, I guess, a bit like the US. Um, but yeah, this idea that you can actually roam in all these countries. Now there is a slight limitation on that. Uh, I think they limit you to uh, twelve gigs worth of uh, roaming data if you're on one of those bigger plans. So they're being a little bit harsh there that you can yeah. use twelve gigs while you uh, while while you're roaming. Uh, but other than that, I thought, you know, boy, these are some uh, some pretty impressive plans. Once you drop below that sort of price point, the uh, um, the t- the one that was around twenty two twenty two dollars Kiwi, then um, you know they're probably a bit more comparable to what we have uh, in New Zealand. Uh, and yeah, you know, I got to say, we've got some pretty reasonable uh, plans, you know, here here in uh, in New Zealand now. Um, mm. Although I didn't didn't I didn't notice any of the uh, uh, the things here where we're getting into these sort of twenty eight day plans and. Uh, things like that that are often done with some of the cut price plans here. So, um, yeah, nice and nice and simple. Of course, they've got a, a much bigger population that that you know that that changes things in uh, uh, in varying ways. Um, but uh, still, pretty um, just you know, interesting to know what's going on in in other parts of the world. Um, you know, I see people sometimes talk about the plans in in the US, um, but yes, you have to step up usually to. Yeah, for a reasonable plan in the US, it's sort of 50, forty or fifty US dollars. So, don't end up being sort of you know a million miles away from mm. uh, from from our our plans here. But uh, look, uh, you know, I guess the indications are we're going to see plenty of competition, probably in the um, telecommunications area for uh, for some time to come. Yep, no, I would welcome that. I mean, the the main thing for me is I want a plan where I don't have to think about how much data I've used and mm. where I'm going and if that extends my reach you know the current provider I use I might name them but you know you go to a different country and then oh this one's not covered so you've got to rush around and try and spend the first few hours of your trip finding the right data plan and the right prepaid whatever that's going to cover your needs and yeah. it's just you want the convenience of just continuing with what you've got yeah and, and maybe one day we will have that um, you know but yeah at the moment you know wherever you are in the world just about. I mean, there, there's there's probably, uh, I think maybe you know Google a, a virtual. Well, no, there, there's a couple of exceptions to that where you can just sort of roam and pretty relaxed. Um, you know, but often with those ones where you can roam anywhere without um, any extra hassle, then there are your speed gets reduced and mm. you know think, things like that. I think some of them down as far as sort of two G type 
um, speeds. So, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's not perfect, but it keeps uh, keeps improving. Um, now, Alibaba. Um, this is a company that has been you know incredibly su- successful, um, and their um, their founder has uh, has announced he is uh, he's going to be stepping down. In, in a year so uh, yeah th- this was quite was curious for me because I, I guess I've started paying a little bit more attention to uh, uh, to, to Jack Maher the founder and, and, and Alibaba recently because I decided uh, look you know um, I've, I've been behind the eight ball and haven't had any investments in the uh, uh, what's happening in China so I bought a, a, a small uh, small packet <laughs> of uh, uh, shares in Alibaba so of course this sort of announcement just sends those uh, spiral in the wrong direction, um, but but it, it is kind of interesting because uh, you know Jack Ma has sort of referenced Bill Gates in, in the past, and uh, um, you know and, uh, you know I guess you know looking up to him in in, uh, in varying ways, and of course um, Alibaba's not worth as much as Microsoft, but you know still something. I mean, the last last time I was looking at the numbers, it was you know over four hundred billion uh, you know US dollars so you know pretty pretty successful enterprise mm. there uh and you know the, the these days um uh, yeah, I'll, I'll use alibaba i use ebay for for ordering things online and uh you know actually be able to, it's a pretty good source through which to uh, to buy things uh, you know in in new zealand that fit into certain categories some things aren't you know aren't worth having shipped from china uh, but of course, their their dominance is is growing. So, you know, it will be it'll be kind of interesting uh, to see how you know how how they will they will go kind of versus Amazon because they're kind of uh, um, you know on a on a bit of a collision uh, collision course those yeah. two. And uh, yeah, so here we go. The you know the the news is uh, Jack Jack Ma, who's who is no longer CEO anyway. He's uh, you know he's he's. Um, in the executive uh, uh, chairman, you know, role at, at Alibaba right now, but he's going to uh, uh, cede that role as well. Uh, come uh, come uh, this time uh, next year, so you know, it's it's, it's still uh, another year away, and uh, you know, he wants to get more involved with uh, education and uh, philanthropy. So um, mm. yeah, quite a quite a big uh, big manoeuvre, but. Look, you know, we we could see a lot more of the these sort of leaders doing this, right? They can all certainly afford to. Um, it's whether you know what what should they be spending their time on? Do, you know, does he still need to be involved uh, in the business? He's uh, he, he's built a a business that's bigger than most you know most other businesses that have come before it in history, mm. uh, and and you know certainly so in, in China. I think he's the third richest guy in China. Um, yeah. What would you What would you be doing if you were in this position and you were sitting on? Where's the numbers? Thirty six point six billion uh, US dollars was his uh, net net worth that I read in uh, one one article. Um, well, when I read that he was returning or going to education, I was trying to decide: well, is this that he's going to teach or he's going to learn? And reading a bit closer, he's, right. he's looking to expand his mind and pick up a few a few more skills and things and I think that's that's the the right place to be I mean if you've got mm. a lot mm. of money and, and you've you've basically stepping away from your baby and I guess that's the challenge can you have the discipline to be hands off and and go and try something new um, but yeah th- these guys that have they've come up with great concepts for businesses and um, get very creative and diversify that that's the the way to continue to exercise that creativity um and continue to serve the community and um, you know we've seen that with other leaders as well i think it's the right direction rather than uh i don't know just skiving off and spending all that money somewhere <laughs> <laughs> could you spend it well i, I mean i guess you, yeah you could you could always spend it but uh yeah, it would it would kind of be an interesting life if your purpose was to was to spend the money you'd made. Um, Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you've got when you've got that much money, now um, there were, there was an interesting uh, headline that uh, that came through 
last week, but yeah, between our last episode and 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 today, um, about Huawei and um, smartphone uh, benchmarks. And yeah, look, to be fair, I I don't tend to um, um, you know pay pay a huge amount of uh, uh, attention to you know most of these sorts of uh, uh, you know ben- benchmarks. Um, but there was certainly certainly a, a, a whole chunk of uh, coverage around the net around Huawei apparently caught uh, cheating on uh, on their phone benchmarks. Now, uh, you know there, there was a, a bunch of coverage, you know, across a, a, a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of media on this one, and uh, the the article that got uh, got shared with with me. Um, was the one from Engadget, and look, quite a, quite an interesting read. And they did, you know, update the article once they had sort of uh, a, a, quite an official response uh, there from uh, Huawei. And I think it was uh, it was Anant Anantech um, who who uh, you know broke broke the story and. But basically, when you looked at the the original coverage of it, it very much was uh, looking like yeah, Huawei you know did some some stuff that um, seemed a little bit untoward in terms of basically speeding up certain apps. And of course, you can you know you can speed up uh, your your processor on any sort of computing uh, device to a level. But of course, the device is going to heat up; uh, it's going to use more power. So you know that'll shorten battery life in the case of a mobile device. Uh, and you know, it seemed to automatically do this when it went into a benchmarking app, which didn't, you know, maybe give a uh, a fair fair approach. And uh, the the yeah, certainly the initial uh, comments were around the fact, hey, this is common price place in China, and uh, look, we would lose sales if you know uh, if we you know we didn't take this approach and so on. The formal statement then that came out from Huawei was. Um, I guess much softer and and mm. um, you know not very much. Uh, hey, yeah, we admit we cheated or anything. It was more like, hey, we've got an AI that will, you know, basically you know speeds up and slows down the phone according to what you're doing, so you get the best, you know, speed when you need speed and battery life when you need uh, battery life. Yeah. What, what was your take on on re- reading uh, reading this one? I mean, when you when you put the AI sort of thing over it, you know, it makes makes it sound not untoward at all. But the the uh, certainly all the initial coverage of it, or, or low on the on the naughtiness sort of scale. But the uh, the earlier and other commentary makes it look bad. And, and in fact, um, uh, I think it's. Um, 3D Mark, who you know these were these were the the benchmarks, um, and Huawei basically agreed to. Well, they they've dropped Huawei out of these uh, out of these these benchmarks until they can come up with something that's uh, mm. that's more appropriate. Which I you know I guess you know do, does say something about how legitimate these benchmarks actually were. Yeah, I I think uh, a phone that is you know using AI and and um, being smart about how it's using its processor, you'd want that. Um, and I guess the question is: Is it is it just do we see that when it's only benchmarking, or are they doing it for other apps as well? Um, also, um, why aren't other phones doing it? Is this something new? Or is this is this something just that uh, Huawei is doing? Um, when I think about buying phones, uh, I you know I would look at things like: uh, Is the is the camera really good quality? Uh, what's the battery life like? Um, processing powers that really snappy. You kind of expect mm, that when mm. it's a new phone and you're looking at high-end-ish sort of phones. Um, but I just wonder how many people actually go to benchmarking results and say, ooh, it's really only those real keen fanboys and girls that, that say, oh, I'm upset now because you've you've fudged the results and um, I'm I'm a, fa- I'm a favourite of this phone and my phone's better than your phone. Um, but the general public probably don't care too much Um and the industry-wise, yeah, it is competitive. Yeah, and what it, you know, what if you bought one thing that you know your ben- the benchmark you know says one thing mm-hmm. says it's faster. You know, let's say the benchmark says this is the fastest phone, 
but when they you know actually turn off that that AI, which is apparently what they're going to do, is, is have mm-hmm. some options uh, within the interface so you can turn these things on and off, um, which obviously makes it a you know you can get to that level playing field. But you know that happens and you didn't know, and actually you might have been you know choosing between two phones, and this one kind of you know fudged its results. Maybe it's actually a bit slower than the other phone, and. Uh, yeah, you would you would have gone for the other phone. So I don't know. There's, you know, I think I think it's good that they they pulled them from the um, uh, the benchmarking results at this stage, so they're no longer uh, you know topping the charts wherever they they were uh, performance wise on uh, things like the, the you know the P20 Pro, which is and the P20. Uh, I think the Nova um, Three was in the list. Honor Play, which uh, I don't think is in this market. Um, but you know, we're talking about some really really good and good value phones there. Uh, that you know, in terms of bang for buck and what you get in them are really good, but you actually, you know, uh, yeah, you you want to know the, the truth on these mm. uh, uh, on these things. So yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Probably wouldn't make too much difference for for most people, uh, but it, 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 these sort of indicators aren't you know aren't good. You know, it doesn't doesn't look good uh, for for the Huawei brand to be and if uh, it's a deciding uh, factor, to be doing that. You know, at that sort of buying decision, and you're saying, well, look. There's a, there's a whole industry built around benchmarking and that's my tipping point, then you want to be uh, basing the decision on reliable information. Yeah. Um, do you think in the, in the New Zealand market where we have, the, you know, we have our fair trading uh, you know, consumer rules and there are you know, somewhat uh, similar types of things in, in, in other markets that you might see some people that are going and taking the phone back and returning them? I mean, that might not be the core reason they do it, but it could, they could be used as an excuse to say, hey, I bought this on it being the mm. you know the fastest or the, the greatest or whatever, and yeah. uh, uh, now we've found out it's not quite so good. You've, you've had your phone a few months, and uh, there's some other model phone that's coming out. Maybe you, know, maybe you wait another six months until there's another cool new phone coming out, and they go, oh, just realized, yeah, my phone's not as good as what I, what I thought it was. You're nine months into the yeah. phone, which, of course, it's, it's during that first, sort of you know six to 12 months when you know a top phone you know is a top phone it hasn't been you know uh, you know beaten by too many other models mm-hmm. but the more time that goes by it uh, drops down it'll be quite an interesting one to see whether you could uh, you could um, uh, you know fairly claim claim that as a as a sort of you know consumer sort of breach there is that there's also the the consumer the you know basically the product comparison and their their, their mm. uh, recommendations for certain products mm. Mm. i think it also calls into question um, what they are looking to to use for benchmarking as well, and if right. they're relying on this technology to make their recommendations, then you know they're, they're going to get a hit for that. Right? As well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that's true. Yep, Consumer New Zealand and the various other uh, things like Consumer Reports out of the um, uh, the US. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's, it's a, a good point. Uh, now on to uh, on to gadgets. I've been playing around. Um, not sh- not quite sure for uh, what, which of these things that we're using, um, but I'll I'll wave this for anyone that's that's because we we occasionally have a video running and there is a video running today, um, but been looking at uh, the new Surface uh, Go over the last uh, last little while, and uh, you've had a little bit of a play around with this one too, uh, yeah. Daryl. Um, yeah, f- I mean, first impressions from from you from having a having a look at the Surface uh, Go. I mean, you've got a you know, basically a, a smaller, uh, smaller Surface device. and the Surface Pros that we're, we're used to with its uh, about ten inch uh, display. Is that this means where you get a Paul smaller Spain keyboard. kicks in with all the all the different uh, puns of smaller surface area and surface? And no, no, I leave that to you, Daryl. No, no, I listen to these episodes and I think we should have put out the challenge to the to the listeners. That episode yeah. let's do a pun count on Paul <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah I'm not counting um, look my first impressions I, I, I read about it I, I wandered into a, a store on Queen Street because I wanted to have a bit of a play and you always get those sort of what is that guy doing he's spending far too much time with that device right now and we've asked him three times if he wants any help yeah but I, you know that's just the, the way you do it so yeah. um, I yeah, definitely a smaller device it's compar- comparable to your 10 inch um, iPad Pro in terms of size, um, I've had a various different Surface Pro models. Um, so the Surface Go, it it, it seemed to uh, perform reasonably well in terms of uh, its 
day-to-day use. I fired up an office and typed a few things. And that was actually the first thing that stood out to me was um, the keyboard that, yes, it is smaller and it takes some getting used to. I, I touch type. But you use a, was an iPad Pro yourself? I've got, got an, an iPad, iPad Pro, Pro and I've got a yeah. Surface Pro as well. Right, um, yep. I think the, the iPad Pro keyboard um, felt easier to use. Mm. Um, the key spacing was, was a bit easier. And um, I usually just literally just type verbose as if I'm trying to type up a, um, a product evaluation while I'm in the store. So I'm typing my notes as right, I go. Right, yeah. And I was making lots of different mistakes as I, as I went for the first 10 minutes or so. After um, you've been in the store for two or three, four hours? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was um, What just, was it like by then? Had you sort of got, got used to it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I had some coaching from the various product reps around around too. <laughs> um, no, it was it was good. You I, do, I got you used do to get, it. yeah, it does take a time to get used to a keyboard, especially when it's a bit shrunk. You do. Uh, you have, like your, that, you have right? your elbows in. Yeah, because you have to kind of get used to like it. like that, you actually end up having your, your elbows are out too fingers far are hitting the wrong keys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I found. Um, it didn't take me long to you know get used to it. What I haven't forced myself to to do is to make it a sort of full time device for mm-hmm. uh, a few days or even you know half a day yet. But I've I've used it for a bunch of different things and um, you know look it's uh, you know it's quite reasonable. I like this sort of device for being able to just you know something you can take into meetings. I'm you know I'm using MacBook Pro at the uh, at the moment, which is you know super powerful with. Um, um, you know, from a processing perspective and, and, and storage and everything else. So that's really, really fast from a productivity uh, perspective to work on. Um, you know, and this one's got enough storage so I can, you know, dual boot uh, or move between, you know, Mac and Mac and Windows uh, as well. So you know, there's plenty of, uh, you know, flexibility on it in those, those regards. Um, so, you know, something like a, a, you know, a Surface Go for me would be a, you know, an additional device, but I can see that being you know, also quite good for education type mm. situations. You know, um, school students and and the like. It, it will do most of the the probably the practical sort of uh, school things they need to do for gaming. Yeah, probably. You know, probably 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 not uh, so powerful no. for uh, uh, you know 3D games and uh, and things like that. Um, that said, um, this the the Surface Go has the original sort of docking port in it that the other uh, not the original the, the 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 standard docking port that Surfaces have had for a uh, number of generations now, which handles charging and 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 so on. Um, but it's also got the USB C connection in it. So yeah, before we started the podcast, you and I plug, mm. plugged it. In and, um, and just had a look at uh, you know had a look at sort of you know docking straight onto the the Philips uh, USB C monitor on my desk. So one cable uh, goes in. Uh, pretty sure that was that was handling the uh, the charging and you know basically uh, everything you know ev- everything else. So you know that um, that's really really handy having that uh, that capability. And you know the monitor had a Ethernet cable plugged into it and it picked that up and. Uh, so on, yeah. There was a little dongle in the uh, in the monitor for a uh, wireless keyboard and mouse, and so you know everything just sort of worked. Unplugged the MacBook, plugged in the Surface Go, and uh, you know away we went. So mm. um, yeah, it's uh, it's really nice that these things are getting standardised and getting easier, right? Yeah, yeah. I think coming back to that that thought of it being a meeting device and an all day device is is probably my appeal for it. Mm. So um, what I like about using tablet form factor is that. Um, unlike with a laptop, you've got your screen up and it does feel like there's that barrier in between. Mm, mm. Um, I like to be able to lay things down because the Surface Pro's got that adjustable. So the Surface Go's got that same form factor. Um, I also like to use a pen a lot. And I find in meetings when I can find a, an HDMI cable and just you know get connected and have the screen up in front of everyone, it just adds that additional layer of, of communication. So we're whiteboarding, we're making notes together everyone can agree on what they're seeing on the screen and then yep. everyone gets a copy at the end of it. So yeah, yeah. I see the Surface Go um, fitting in quite nicely. It facilitates there. that quite well, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's good. Well, I'll, I'll certainly try it a little bit, little bit more, um, you know, before uh, before it needs to uh, to go go back to its maker. <laughs> um, it has to go and meet its maker again at some stage. Um, but, yeah, that will be, uh, that'll be a bit, bit, of, bit of fun anyway um, to, you know, just, just to see, well, yeah, how do, how does it cope if that's your that's your only uh, 
uh, your only machine. I, you know, I think processing wise, it's probably a, you know, um, uh, well, I guess the the bit that that uh, disappointed is that the wrong word. Um, was curious about is it's got a dual core, what I call an an, an atom processor. It's an Intel Pentium, but it's you know it's not the same as the the, the core um, I type uh, series processor. Of, you know, super low power and so on, but that also means lower performance. But it's only got a dual core chip in it rather than a quad core, which is you know it's quite common with those uh, those chips to be available in, in quad core. Um, so I'm not quite sure the reason for that, but I do wonder because we know that the Microsoft have announced a uh, uh, or you know, invite a lot of people to a, um, a new Surface product launch in early October uh, if at some point they're actually going to release a, a quad-core variant, right? Mm. That, would, that would actually uh, you know, bump that performance up and, and beyond par with sort of the, the lower-level um, you know, Intel core processors like right. the i3. Um, not, not sure about that one, but you know, a little bit curious. Um, and uh, you noticed there was there's a bit of media coverage uh, on online today that uh, Google might be uh, might be launching some new uh, Pixel books uh, next month. So it might be um, uh, you know uh, Microsoft and and Google launching some somewhat uh, or products with some similarities next month. Of course, there's uh, new Pixel phones uh, uh, coming out early uh, October as well. Uh, but it sounds like uh, one of those one of those Pixel books, if the rumours are, are true. Uh, maybe something of a of a Surface Book uh, clone of sorts, with yeah. a, you know, yeah. a stylus and 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 touchscreen and so on. Yeah, look, I wonder about that Surface uh, event too. Uh, you know, are we going to see something completely new or something that's been rumoured? Um, so while we've got this clone thing going on and this Pixel Book that looks like a Surface Book, um, there might be something new to clone. Mm. We will, we'll see. Um, now, Kent, as you work, uh, you know, you work in this world of SharePoint, Office three six five, and of course, you know, the Office three six five world from Microsoft sort of, you know, keeps growing. Microsoft seem, you know, very committed to, um, you know, ensuring that they they take as much market share as they can with these sort of, you know, productivity uh, tools, word processors, spreadsheets, and then you know all the new categories that are sort of being added on, uh, you know, around the edges and. A, you know, of course, uh, you know they they compete with with the likes of Trello and Slack and um, you know ver- varying other products with you know additions that they've built into uh, that Office three six five suite. And they've really gone from you know position a number of years ago where you know their their sort of cloud productivity offering was. Uh, yeah, pretty weak compared to what Google uh, Google were doing. To now we're you know they're in a very very strong mm. uh, position, and and because big organisations um, you know tended to move move slowly, um, and you know you know make big changes very very quickly. Uh, you know they were able to get up to speed with you know with a, with a really good offering. That's meant that Google haven't sort of gained the the sort of broad dominance that you know I think some people sort of expected that Microsoft Office and and uh, you know Microsoft sort of you know productivity tool set uh, would would become sort of a, a smaller player in the market. But you know it does seem as though they're, they're you know really uh, dominating pretty strongly and continuing to uh, continuing to sort of move forward. In some ways, it feels like at pace, but if you dive into some of the details with, you know, a lot of these these things, um, the pace isn't always quite as fast as as you want. If there's a particular uh, capability that that you're looking for, um, you know, often from a you know a, a particular yeah a particular feature or some sort of you know technical mm. uh, improvement, but you know, generally it seems like Microsoft is doing quite well. Um, now your your sort of work in this area means your um, you know I guess you you probably cross over a little bit to some of the stuff we do within Gorilla, but you know we do lots and lots and lots of uh, you know things in terms of helping uh, small to medium organisations with with their technology from you know maintaining and you know running their infrastructure and so on to uh, you know helping them with, with strategy and and uh, you know how they can better utilise technology. Now you focus right in on that piece of. Um, um, you know, getting the most out of the tools. Uh, you know, particularly with Office three six five. So I'm, I'm curious, what are the you know what are the areas within uh, Office three six five that uh, you know you've you found are kind of you know interesting recently, new advances and so on. Yeah, um, 
as you say, like I, I'm focused on the, the user adoption space, and, and we do find that there are a lot of customers that have either bought Office 365 or they've had a partner help implement it, and um, it's kind of you know stalled at the um, let's move our email to the cloud and, and here's OneDrive, but we're, we're not so confident with everything else. Interesting, isn't it? The, yeah. I mean, because it's a, it's a really powerful tool set. In fact, I was in a meeting uh, with, with um, uh, the... Um, I won't say what type of organisation it was, but with an organisation yesterday, that you know, they had their whoever their IT provider was, you know, move them into uh, into Office three six five. But from their perspective, it was just a complete uh, uh, complete nightmare. So there's some you know some pieces of that picture that you really you know get involved in. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Look, we we find that there's a lot of value that you could, can still be unlocked, um, and the approach that we try and take is is really engaging with the business to start with and understanding who they are and how they work and um, you know we all like to think that we align business with technology but so often we go oh look here's the pocket knife and it does 50 different things um, go explore it for yourself or, or you figure it out yeah, yeah you figure it out exactly um, watch and a look, few YouTube videos and you'll be right yeah that's right that's right here's, here's the series um, but I think the story that that's kind of unfolding um and, and Microsoft have their focus on is that some of these technologies that have been traditionally difficult to use and feel like they're siloed and often on their own um, are becoming more integrated. So looking at the story of SharePoint, for example, used to be a, a terribly difficult product for just your average user to try and be a site owner and create something, some content. It was really clunky. Um, and now that... that um, you know, they're modernising the, the way that sites work. Um, modernising sounds like a catchphrase, doesn't it? But in, in truth, um, compared to the old way of working with sites in SharePoint, um, an, an average end user can can get off to creating a page just like they can with with creating a blog post on on mm-hmm. WordPress. It's really quite simple. So their focus has been around trying to um, make it easier for the end users to create content, to share news, to to collaborate, and then they've been wrapping this around with a, with another product um, to try and pull it all together called Microsoft Teams. Huge focus on that. Lots of development there. Direct competitor to Slack, and you know, so they've tried to leverage um, their expertise around the Skype area and providing telephony, mm. and that that's where Teams is really you know put a lot of focus on trying to bring up the the feature set to to match where they were with Skype and they've, they've recently announced that they felt that they're there some would open argue to, that, open to a little bit of yeah exactly so, there's a yeah, few things yeah. that, that are missing for me but um, it's it's close um, but I think it, like I said the, the focus that Microsoft have had is around trying to make this technology more consumable so and they, they seem to have got you know they seem to be at that point you know I, you know I think you know we look back a couple of years and there were all sorts of bits and pieces that just you know meant that uh, yeah for broad mainstream adoption people you know ditch file servers and things like that yeah you know move move um, you know their documents into into something like uh, SharePoint was um, you know sometimes a bit easier said than done to sort mm. of get there and get to an experience where um, you know I guess all your people were at least as happy as as they were before right yeah, uh, yeah. whereas yeah, when when you know when these things are all working together well, you end up with people that are much happier once you've moved into that cloud world because of all of the the you know flexibility and um, uh, you know other other sort of benefits that come uh, with the with the feature set. Yeah, they've put a lot of work into some of the bridging technologies as well. Um, when I say bridging. Um, you know, OneDrive and synchronising your documents. It's not just about synchronising your space, your drive, or my OneDrive. Um, but now it's it's become a more reliable way to connect to that set of documents that we we work on together in a team. And I can now have a copy of that down on my computer. Um, what I do like around that and with Windows 10 is that files on demand. And we find in the adoption space that that really does help people to start to work in the cloud but still work in something familiar to them which is a files explorer mm, you, know, mm, you can go absolutely. in and that's the file I want double click down it comes mm. don't want it anymore okay right click and up it goes to the cloud again mm. so 
That's good. I like the other thing that I I got quite excited about earlier in the year, and I want to see more on that story is is around um, 360 and VR and SharePoint. And you know, as I've shared with you, Paul, and some people know, I'm right into capturing things in 360. And I don't see it just as the sporting event thing where, like, oh, look at me, I'm in a hang glider, I'm I'm water skiing or whatever. But um, I see practical uses for it in business and. Um, helping the adoption story, seeing how technology is used in the context of, of where you are with a 360 mm. view. Mm. Mm. And um, yeah, up until now, we've we've had to um, either build our own solution to host these these videos or uh, leverage something like a, a Vimeo or a YouTube mm. and mm. using private links. But um, SharePoint will soon, and I'm sure we'll hear a bit more about this in the conference a bit later in the year, um, uh, making it possible for you to put your 360 and VR content in your own private space available to your team, and um, I'm I'm looking mm. forward to seeing that mm. that coming. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, I mean, Microsoft were involved uh, very early with with um, 360 degree video uh, from a productivity type of perspective, right? With um, you know, with their cameras going back, you know, quite a number of years now. They sold that technology to uh, uh, to Polycom. Um, but you know it's kind of interesting now we've got this you know very accessible low cost uh, you know three sixty degree cameras. I mm. haven't sort of noticed a whole lot of uh, uh, tech to put this sort of stuff in in the meeting room because the idea of that three sixty camera yeah. and you've got a whole lot of people sort of sitting around a table for a meeting. Um, you know, you would kind of think that that maybe would have come to the to the fore again and uh, yeah. using you know Skype or Teams or you know whatever other tool for uh, for video conferencing yeah. that uh, we'd see that sort of uh, you know jump jump out as being uh, um, the the easiest way to uh, to capture people rather than the the camera at the front of the room. Yep. No, perhaps we're looking at that for the next step for what Teams will focus on. Uh, you know, I've been real, real scenario here for for how I would use it too. Um, been recently doing some some group interviews to try and understand how people work within departments. And when you've got a, a group of people around a table, and and you don't know them, and mm. you're recording their voice, you want to be able to match responses to voices. And so, been toying with the idea of having. 360 camera in the middle of the table um, capture the audio potentially in 360 as well and then you just put little labels underneath people's faces and you can just go through and analyse that that content responses later mm, mm. Um, engineers that go on site tours and they've got their camera and they're just walking so they don't have to think about where am I pointing that camera mm. it's capturing everything everywhere yeah, so you can go yeah. back and review that footage from, from different angles and mm-hmm. yeah the technology's there it's just um there's not as many stories about the practical use of that in business. And yeah, that's yeah. I'm excited to see where that's going. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, I think it's gonna be a fun one to watch. Um, look, I, you know, I think Office three six five in general. There, there's been lots Microsoft have done. Uh, now they've got the obviously the Microsoft three six five product that sort of you know pull, pulls together you know Windows and the security elements yeah. and Office three six five into kind of you know one one subscription. Uh, you know, which, which is um, uh, you know, a, a good fit in uh, in in some cases, and there's some really nice cybersecurity uh, mm-hmm. pieces now to Microsoft's uh, tool set, um, which yeah, you know, I think are, uh, are are pretty impressive. And you know, you mentioned before, sort of Windows 10 and the sort of files on demand with uh, you know data that's sitting up in um, in, in SharePoint. Yeah, you know, I think that is, was a really, you know, really key feature from from Microsoft's perspective to mm-hmm. uh, to deliver, and is a real big en- enabler now for um, delivering a pretty seamless experience for uh, you know for people to access their files off their, you know, off their computers, work from anywhere, have you know local files, whether they're office documents or where, you know whatever it is that they're they're able to uh, you know synchronize their PDFs and all sorts of other bits and pieces, and it's. Um, yeah, it's a it's a reasonably good place that they're uh, they're in. I think you know they're competing uh, competing you know pretty pretty fiercely now, uh, you know especially in in the cloud mm. uh, area. So um, look, there'll be there'll be interesting things ahead. Um, now I think we're we're out of time for this show, um, oh. but it's been very nice to catch, <laughs> catch up. Um, now where where do we track you uh, you down online, Daryl? Yeah, well, uh, a mate of mine helped me get this name recently. Um, known as Daryl as a service out on the net. So D A double R E double L A A S. Don't mix that around too much. But um, <laughs> and I haven't really yet uh, figured out how to scale myself. But so that's me on Twitter. 
um, Daryl's Services YouTube channel, yep. and I'm doing a bit of a uh, bit of work with a, a team of people called uh, Regarding Three Six Fives. We're writing yep. about Microsoft Three Six Five there. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, thank you for uh, coming in Great. and hanging out uh, again. We probably should do this a bit more, a uh, bit more often. Sure thing. Uh, yeah. so, you know, sometimes bump into each other in different parts of the world. So yeah, uh, why does it take a know? trip overseas <laughs> to bump into each other? What's up with that? So good, good to uh, good to see you here uh, here in Auckland. Um, and that's it for this week's show. So thanks everybody for uh, for listening in. We'll be back again uh, next week. You can track me down online, uh, Paul Spain, across Twitter, Facebook, and uh, uh, LinkedIn. Pretty easy to uh, to find. And uh, our website nztechpodcast.com And uh, look through Facebook uh, if you could follow uh, NZ Tech Podcast on there. Uh, that's where we're, we're starting to uh, stream some of these videos. So uh, our new studio is is mostly complete this week from uh, uh, from some perspectives. There's still uh, uh, a bunch more work going on behind the scenes on cameras and and uh, and technical stuff. But you at least get a little little peek in. Uh, on us, so um, and thanks to uh, Greg and uh, Christian for their uh, their help and uh, running the studio uh, today. Much uh, much appreciated. All right, that's us. Catch you next week. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.